Welcome to the Kaleidoscope of Possibilities, Alternative Perspectives on Mental Health. My name is Dr. Adriana Popescu. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist and leader in the field of mental health, energy psychology, addiction, trauma, and empowerment. In this podcast, we will be exploring mental health from a variety of perspectives, from the spiritual to the shamanic and beyond. What if mental illness isn't everything we think it is? What if everything we see as a pathology is actually a possibility? What else is possible with mental health? Hi everyone, Dr. Adriana Popescu here with you today for another episode of Kaleidoscope of Possibilities, Alternative Perspectives on Mental Health. I'm so excited to have today as my guest, Dr. Susanna Mittermeier. Susanna Mittermeier is the founder of Pragmatic Psychology. She was born in Vienna, Austria, and she is a psychologist educated in Sweden, where she worked at the University Hospital and in the psychiatry department there with psychotherapy and neurological, neuropsychological testing. She's the author of the number one international best-selling book, Pragmatic Psychology, Practical Tools for Being Crazy Happy, <laughs> Henry, and Fairy Tale Family. As a highly sought-off public speaker and international keynote speaker, Susanna has been featured on TV and in magazines such as Forbes, TV Soap, Psychology Today, Women's Weekly, Oom, Empowerment Channel, Voice America, and many more. Susanna offers a new paradigm of psychology called pragmatic psychology and is known for her ability to transform people's problems and difficulties into possibilities and powerful choices. Welcome, Susanna. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Amazing. <laughs> Yes, I'm so excited to explore with you today some of the amazing work you've been doing and you've really been getting some tremendous results with offering people a different perspective on psychologists. So you and I are both traditionally trained as psychologists. We have our doctorate degrees. Um, and you know, in traditional psychology where it's all about looking for the problem and then you know, diagnosing it and then prescribing some sort of treatment for it. But you have really turned that upside down with your pragmatic psychology. So can you tell us more about that? What is pragmatic yeah, psychology? Definitely, I'm just gonna say like, we in Europe, we don't have doctor's titles as psychologists. Yeah, that's just like a different thing. Like we get trained um, to do the job, like to, you know, to do the education and the job, but it's like, it's just a different system. Um, but so pragmatic psychology is like a, it's a different, uh, it's a new paradigm, like a different approach to psychology. It's like, um, you know, psychology used to be so much about empowering people to know what they know. And later it became this um, thing where people are being categorized of, okay, this is the right thing. This is saying, this is insane. This is this, and this is that. Like a lot about putting things into boxes. And um, that's one approach. And what, uh, what pragmatic psychology is inviting is to have psychology be what it used to be, you know, the empowering people to know that they know. And that's something that I appreciated so much in my work in, as you mentioned, psych uh, psychiatry and mental health, where it's like people already have so many points of view about themselves and judgments about how wrong they are, how horrible they are, how, you know, whatever is not working for them. And they've met often so many people that validate that and tell them yep you are functioning this in that way and you know learn to live with it rather than okay yep they might start with 
you know, this is, you are different and they might get a diagnosis, but what if we can contribute to people seeing what else they are, who else they are, what else they're capable beyond all that, beyond the diagnosis, beyond all that stuff. And um, that's something that pragmatic psychology also offers with, you know, pragmatic meaning doing what works rather than being dramatic and looking at what doesn't work and why it's like, what what actually works. How did you come across this? Like, how did you develop this whole different perspective on psychology? Well, it was actually in practice while I was working in uh, mental health and psychiatry and meeting people who were sent to me to either they had a diagnosis already or I, my job was to test them whether they do have one and then do therapy with them. And while I was meeting these people, whether it was for testing or for therapy, I was stunned with the discrepancy between what was said about them and the point of view that's out there or was, you know, talked about them and meeting them for real and how different that was. It's like basically, you know, meeting someone who just functions different, who sees the world different who um, has a different way of being in the world. And that difference oftentimes gets categorized in something, okay, that's beyond the norm. So it's not really good. You know, it's like this person has some troubles going on. And these are like, what I saw is like people so quickly jump to conclusion about um, that there is something wrong or the person is not, is functioning beyond norm or whatever that means. Like it, supposed to mean something what if it doesn't what if you just what if we learn to see people for who they are and ask questions about okay so who is this person how are they functioning and what's possible with this rather than what is it called like what do they have what are they suffering from what is that what is the name for them and then categorizing that and that's something that i basically just saw when i saw people and when i was talking with them i'm like if i have a total open mind if i have nothing in my head and no reference points and i just meet the person what am i aware of what do i see and how can we use this to create something and facilitate something different for the person and together also. Yeah. I love that because you know, what traditional psychology is it because it's based on the medical model. It's all about finding the symptoms of the disease. And then let's give that disease a name. And then once you have been labeled with this disease, now, you know, you're going to have it for the rest of your life. And the best you can do, you're never going to be able to recover from it. Um, the best you can do is manage the symptoms, right? That's what we're taught. And that's the message that people who get these labels, these diagnoses are often given. Yeah, exactly. And that's like, that's so much like in many modalities where it's like the symptom is the most important thing. And then we try to diminish the symptoms, but it doesn't change what's really going on. And it's so much faster and easier if you go, what is really going on for the person what is their perspective on it? Like asking people more questions rather than assuming that you know already and have the answers. And that's, the, you know, that's something that practitioners could 
practice more because we all have read many books. We all had to read many books. And most of the times like practitioners heads are filled with this is this, this means this, and now I should do that. And that's all good. But use this stuff with your knowing. Like, what do you see when you meet that, that person, that patient, that client? It's like, what do you become aware of? Because that's where you use you and who you are as a practitioner more than the making the books or what you read the source. That's all good and amazing. And it all can be a contribution. It's just like, if you use you with your unique awareness, then you can you can create something unique with the person you meet and it's more um, it's more applicable to that person because it's going to be about that person, not about the filters of what you've learned and what you're supposed to see or not see. Right. You know, in, in one of my previous episodes, I interviewed Lauren Polly, who's someone we both know. And she talked about how when she got, as soon as um, she told the psychiatrist that her aunt had bipolar disorder. It's like immediately it clicked in his head. She, this woman has bipolar disorder and he basically excluded any other information. He totally got tunnel vision. You have bipolar and that label stuck with her for pretty much like, you know, 10, 20 years. So I had actually, that's so funny because I had the other, uh, you know, the other side where I had someone who had been, you know, diagnosed with bipolar also. And she had the diagnosis for a long time. And then we worked, you know, for some sessions. And then she said, like, so much is different. She met her psychiatrist and he's like, you don't have bipolar. Maybe they gave you the wrong diagnosis. This can't, this can't be it. You can't just like have so much ease with not having that diagnosis anymore. That's not supposed to be possible. So that's really interesting how the tunnel vision you say, it's like, and it's, it's like this, it's like this satisfaction when people go, oh, I know what you have. Like, yeah, that's, that's amazing. But what if we move beyond that and actually truly create change? Well, also, you know, what I want to highlight here and what you're saying is that with the traditional psychology psychiatry paradigm, we're seeing those labels as symptomatic of a disability, of a pathology, of a problem. Rather than what you're saying with pragmatic psychology, it's like, it's not bad or wrong. It's just different. These people function differently. Can you say more about that? Mm -hmm. and, and that difference is such a resource. It's like, it's like and the, the tricky part here, the challenge is for a practitioner, for anybody, a parent, a person around these different people is to not conclude or judge right away anything about this. Just like learn to see things for what they are just like okay this is what is don't go into judgment about this being a good thing or a bad thing and that takes practice because we all of us are so used to doing this all the time but then that difference actually becomes a resource and for example we see this so much in um out there in the world right now like a big very known example is is uh, autism and asperger's this is something that more and more people start to talk about, but that's just one example of many, 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 many uh, different diagnoses. So Asperger's is something where, you know, companies start using people with that different way of functioning uh, to, because they have a different, they view information in a different way. They, uh, you know, they see things, details, things that other people don't see. So companies use that different awareness, that different way of perceiving 
and selecting information to their advantage, you know, and put people in those positions where that is needed, where they can achieve something that others can't because they do function different. So, and that's the same with every diagnosis. It's like, there's a, I say, superpower, a capacity behind every of those diagnoses, every one of those um, differences. And it's just a matter of us getting over that old paradigm of right and wrong and good and bad. And that we always have to categorize. It's like there's a world of power and possibilities available if we let go of those old paradigms and those old points of view. And that's, that's what our future requires, especially right now. Yeah, I love what you're saying. In fact, I have a quote from the book that I wanted to share, which is, every wrongness is a strongness that is waiting to be discovered, that is waiting to be used as a tool, as a resource to create a life that works for you. That's so lovely. Um, can you expand on that? Wrongness as a strongness, what? And so for example, if you, like you guys listening, if you go at, okay, so what is one of those major wrongnesses that I have decided is true for me? You know, maybe someone says, oh, I'm shy, you know, um, that's horrible because I should be more social or outgoing or whatever, you know? And it's like, okay, so then you could ask yourself, what, what strongness is that shyness? Like, what's the superpower behind it? And to discover that, like one thing that's required is that you let go of, of oh, I, re I already know this is a bad thing. I already know I'm not supposed to be that. Um, and let first of all, let go of those reference points. And then, okay, so what is that strongness behind that shyness? What's actually the superpower? And you might discover that, you know, if you look at shy people, and you have like a group of people, they go out for dinner, everybody talks, talks, talks. And then you have this one person who's like not saying much or not saying anything. Who draws the greatest attention? The person who speaks a lot or the person who doesn't say anything? Like everybody wonders, why is this person not saying anything? Everybody gives them a lot of attention in their heads, at least. They're like, why do they not like us? Do like are we not saying something that they are fond of or they're like you, like the shy person makes everybody be in question about the situation. That's a very powerful thing to, to be. And they, they also make people flow a lot of energy to them. So that's something that's really powerful. So that would be an example where you can go, okay, what, what strongness is behind the thing that I call wrong? You can do this with anything that you have coming up. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things we tend to see most often when people come to see us as therapists is they're, they're usually having some sort of issue with depression or anxiety. What's your take on what's really going on with something like those conditions? And that's something that's so highly interesting right now, this topic, anxiety and depression. Um, and because, you know, so many people have anxiety and depression right now with the uncertainty of what's going on in the world and everything that's changing. And um, it's so funny. I just heard someone asking, so what's the newest anxiety diagnosis for people in this COVID situation? And I'm like, why is that relevant? Why do we have to have a name for this? It's like, 
it's probably different for every person, whatever that is, you know, like that situation or whatever is going on. It's like, it's different for every person. We don't need to have a name for it. We're like, it's more like, what if we use our time and energy on what contribution can we be to these people? What do they require? What can be created? Or like anxiety is something same as with the depression is like, these are oftentimes highly, highly aware people who um, are picking up vast amount of, of information from everyone and everything. They just have not been acknowledged for that capacity. You know, it's like if you are anxious, especially right now, it's like, is that really coming only from you? Or is this something where you are actually aware of you're supposed to be anxious right now? It's normal. Um, everybody's anxious. Um, and like how, what part of the anxiousness, anxiety is actually not from you? How much is that your awareness of where other people right now choose to function from? And that's a big part also for depression. It's like uh, depression, people with depression and anxiety often have so much awareness and people call it sensitivity sometimes. I prefer to call it awareness because with sensitivity, there's this other so-called disorder um, where people say, oh, I'm too sensitive, which basically means that you are aware, but you haven't acknowledged it and you haven't learned to use this for you as a resource. You have concluded that this is something that is too much or that you get overwhelmed with. Um, and that's, that's one of the biggest lies people are buying that it, that awareness or information can be too much. No, no, no. Information awareness can never be too much. It's how your, it's your point of view that creates your reality. If you have the point of view that you cannot handle it, then you create it be too much and you, you know, feel overwhelmed or something. It's your thinking that creates that, you know, if you don't have that way of thinking, if you don't have that point of view, you actually probably discover very soon that you can handle so much awareness and it actually is a treasure box people pay so much money for information it's like everywhere you go like you um go to an expert can you tell me more about how my car works or why it doesn't work can you tell me more about what color of my hair i should do or you know like all these different aspects experts in different areas they all people call them ask them pay them money to give them information and with awareness you get so much information for free because you just pick it up from everywhere else question is have you acknowledged it and would you like to learn how to use it and that's where this different way of functioning is very helpful yeah you know i work a lot with addiction with people who are abusing drugs and alcohol and i and i get that so many of these clients are so super aware and they're getting constantly bombarded with so much information and their mind wants to tell them because they are not acknowledging how aware they are. So their mind is telling them, you know, it's like making up stories. Well, you must be anxious because of this and you must be depressed because of that. And it becomes so unbearable to them that they turn to the drugs and alcohol trying to numb that awareness, except it never works. It always backfires on them. Yep, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And we, we underestimate how powerful our points of view are. You know, like people talk about like thoughts are so powerful, points of view are so powerful. Yeah. And um, yep. Yeah, so that's something we can actually use 
and, and turn it around, you know, turn around. So all those thoughts, where are they coming from? And I just talked with a traditional, uh, a person who, you know, does traditional psychology. And she said, she's starting to use this tool of having people close their eyes, like when they're anxious, having people close their eyes and then point to where, where the anxiety comes from. And I'm like, wow, that's really awesome. Cause that's exactly where you get more clarity on where is the anxiety really coming from? Is it coming from here from you or is it actually coming from somewhere else? You know, and then you can see more, okay, what is that awareness? Where is it coming from? And it's not always that you can localize it like this, but it's just the acknowledgement of, oh, wow, so much is from somewhere else because people love to create points of view. It's like two people coming together. They're like, oh yeah, that's really horrible situation. Yes, you're right. It's horrible. Third person hears it. You think it's horrible. Oh, you're right. That is horrible. You know? So this whole stuff gets created like wildfire and we see it right now with any information that gets out, it spreads like wildfire and drama tends to spread like wildfire, especially. So, and then it's so easy to agree and align to that and then make it yours when it never has been yours. You know, the other thing that I see coming up with a lot of my clients is that um, they have natural, what they, another piece they haven't acknowledged is not only their awareness, but the gifts and capacities they have for healing. And so I work with a lot of people who are unconsciously trying to take on the pain and suffering of others to heal it, particularly the people they care about. Have you seen this as well? Absolutely. That's another aspect that's really important to acknowledge. It's like, what are you, what is, what are you and your body doing for other people? How much are you taking on their stuff to make them feel better so they don't need to suffer? And that is a very incredible power to be able to do this. And it becomes challenging when you just do it because you want the other person to feel good. And what's even more effective is asking, does this person that I want to heal or make feel better, do they desire to have something different? Do they really desire to have this taken off their shoulders? Do they really desire to be happy? And most of them don't. So if you take on something from someone else that you love, that you want to be happy, and they are not interested in that, well, then you have it and they will recreate it. And that's not a very kind thing to you and your body. And that's, that's also creating a lot of like unpleasant things. Like they might be experienced like anxiety or um, depression or, you know, something that is not happy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think children do this all the time. Children are trying, they see mommy or daddy or whoever is unhappy and they want them to be happy. And so they take on that pain and suffering and then they, you know, end up cutting off their own happiness, access to their own happiness, their own joy. And so much I think of the work you and I do is about helping people reconnect with that joy that is natural. We're all born with it. It's who we truly be. And yet, um, because of, you know, we don't know how to work with what we're aware of, we're cutting off our access to it. Yep, exactly. Mm -hmm. yes. Yeah. So you really, in, in, in your work, like to give people practical tools. And one of the things I've heard you say a few times is the power of asking a question. Can you <laughs> say more about why asking a question is so powerful? 
um, it sets you off to a new path. It's, uh, it's something where you don't function from old reference points. It's like if you, if you meet someone and you meet them for the second time, you probably have a lot of reference points to how this person was the first time. And you have probably a picture of them, you know, in your head and a, you know, already, okay, this is who this person is. And that's answers. So when you meet the second, meet that person the second time, you probably click play on that and you have those answers in your head and they are like filters that keep you from seeing who is this person today? It's like, probably maybe they have changed, you know, maybe they had this amazing experience that made them look at life in a different way, but you don't get to find that out because you are busy with seeing them the way you have created them in your head the first time. So this is where you, instead of those answers and reference points could ask, okay, so who is this person today? And what is possible with this person? What can be created? And that's something I highly recommend working with people, clients, whatever, to, you know, see people for who they are in the moment. And that is the power of where you, you know, can use the power of questions to get the information that's relevant in that moment. And questions in general are always about creating the future. It's always about the forward movement. Questions is something that always shows you what else is possible. And, um, and they are opening up possibilities and answers are something that keeps you in the past. And this is something that's so powerful. I had this woman in a workshop and she was or is a, a doctor a physical doctor and so this class was four days and on the third days day she said oh my god i think i'm starting to get this questions create possibilities and she was having this ma major aha moment because she as a doctor she was trained to give people the answer you know and her whole world was about oh my god I have to give people answers and the stress in her world. I have to give people answers. And then she moved from that to asking questions. Her whole world was like, oh gosh, that's such a different way of being in the world. Yeah. yeah. And the question is so empowering. I love teaching my clients about asking questions of themselves. You know, what do I know about this? Not like, you know, they'll, they'll ask me, well, what do you think I should do about such and such? And I go, well, what do you think you should do about it? You know, I always put the question back on them because I don't have any answers. I just have tools. I have questions and I ask the questions so that the client accesses their own knowing. That to me is what empowerment is. Exactly. Definitely. And it's like, it's, it's so amazing also when you in your life realize, oh, I have a conclusion about this. It's like just simple things like, oh gosh, this is not going to go well, you know, that would be an answer. And you're like, okay, so what is really possible with this situation person that I have not considered? And you're like, oh, bing, open up new doors and you probably see different aspects that you didn't see before. Yeah, what else is possible, right? That question, like, what else is possible? What other way is there to look at this? What other choices do I have here that I haven't even considered before? The question can open up so many new possibilities. And for somebody who's been locked in with this label, with this diagnosis, with this idea of there's something wrong with me, you know, to ask that question, what's beyond this diagnosis? Who am I beyond this pathology? What if this 
wrongness is actually a strongness. You know, how, how might someone's life profoundly change when they start asking those questions? I'm mm -hmm. sure you've had all kinds of miracles show up with your clients with this. Yeah, absolutely. Like, um, you know, like one example that I think of now when you ask is uh, recently had a woman who has, you know, experienced a lot of abuse, physical and sexual abuse. And she, um, she, you know, she was in her maybe sixties or something when I met her and she has been going to so many therapies to get rid of this. And so we talked about the, you know, what is like, what really was going on in, you know, during the, like while she was abused and after, and she said, that's so interesting because nobody actually in all those years of talking with people, nobody actually asked me what my awareness was about this and what really was going on. Like there was so many conclusions about what's, you know, how, how this was supposed to be for me and how horrible and la la la. And then she's like, wow, like I realize what a, like in that situation also, what a healing capacity I have. And then we talked about different aspects of that and a couple of other things. And she's like, wow, that, you know, she, she, like next time I saw her, she was sparkling of joy and she was totally different with her body. And so like she, just the way she looked and presented herself to the world was so extremely different. And she realized what a strongness she has with her and her body and what that creates for her and what that creates, you know, in the interaction with other people and that it's not a wrongness, that she's not too powerful, but that that power is actually something she could claim and own and use. And now she's a different person. So, yeah. That's amazing, right? Mm -hmm. It's truly. Yeah. Oh. So, I love our work. <laughs> I know, right? What a gift that we get to do this. So this is a book I highly recommend to anybody who's listening, Pragmatic Psychology, Practical Tools for Being Crazy Happy. Um, but you've also written a couple of other books more recently. Tell us about those. Yep. It's so funny because I just had an interview about the books. So I have them next to me, which I usually don't have. Um, so I wrote a children's book also. Uh, that wasn't planned. It just, you know, the story came and it's, it's called Who is Henry? And it's about a peacock. Um, I love peacocks. And it's like this peacock who tries to find himself. And he, he goes on a journey and he meets all these peacocks and they all knew, know who they are. And he's the only one who doesn't. And so it's like, it's, it's his journey of embracing his difference uh, and, and seeing what a value that is to the world. Wonderful. And I bet it's not just for kids either, is it? That's exactly. You got it. That's so funny because I was so sure that this is just for kids. And then, you know, growing up saying, oh my God, I love this book. <laughs> you know, it always comes different than you think it does. And then the, this is the latest one. It's called Fairy Tale Family. That's a one for, you know, let's say grownups or whatever, you know, whoever has fun reading this. And it's, um, you know, just a different possibility of being with family and embracing the possibilities beyond your past. You know, this is such a big topic for so many people family and so many people love to avoid this topic it's amazing but it's so much lightness that can be created once you once you see how you can use your family however it is and whatever you experienced as a resource sounds weird but hey maybe something you want to experience yeah I love how you have such a fresh perspective on so many different topics um, and you're doing so many different things as well. So you've got your books, 
You've got classes and workshops. Tell us more about that. You've got a podcast of your own you've started. What else are you doing? What else can we let the world know about with your work? <laughs> yeah, so there are workshops. Um, mostly right now, it's for people who work with people, like practitioners. And it's funny because to these workshops, anybody's coming. Like I have not only coaches and therapists, also hairdressers and teachers and parents, like anybody who who wants to know more about how to facilitate change with the people they have as their customers. And I love to see how brilliant people are in their unique and different ways of, of creating change. Oh gosh. It's like when people use themselves and turn on who they are, it's just such a gift. It's amazing. And then uh, the podcast is called pragmatic psychology and then, you know, workshops and, and, speeches around the world and yeah lots of fun yeah you've really been able to this is pretty fascinating um you've been able to really bring this material into more of the traditional paradigm right like speaking at conferences and i think you're even opening a center a pragmatic psychology center yeah how have you been able what do you think is allowing that to occur that people are opening up even from our traditional paradigm and wanting more. What do you make of that? Well, it's, it comes from, from my work with people actually, and, and, uh, and seeing what works and seeing what doesn't work and uh, asking a lot of questions, especially the people that come as clients or you know, whoever and getting an awareness, okay, what does our future really require? And that gives me this clarity on, okay, wait a second, our future actually thrived on us being here and, and using our difference as a resource because that difference gives you ideas that nobody else has. It gives you a way of functioning and, and treating other people. Like maybe there's a kindness in your world you haven't acknowledged. Well, that is a huge gift. Maybe there's a creativity in your world that you haven't acknowledged. You know, it's like all those people in the past who were driving your world forward they were different. They saw the world different. They got ideas from their different way of functioning that is shaping our future. And especially now where the world is on a, such a big reset where everything is different. This is where we come in. This is where we get to create this with who we are, not by trying to be normal or fitting in, that's so the past. <laughs> it's by being different. That's how we can create our future and a future that works for us. And that knowing that that's something I don't even think about. I just know it tapping into the future. And that's something where I know, yep, this is something that's valuable. And, um, and I'm so grateful that this is something that comes, comes, you know, it just comes through me and, 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 and I see so many people, in their way of working, how they contribute to different future in their way. And that's just like a big symphony of, of possibilities that we all add to. Mm -hmm. It is really time to celebrate our difference rather than making it wrong, right? The wow. world needs that. The world is, is asking for that. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Susanna, how can people find you? Uh, SusannaMittermeyer.com or pragmaticpsychology.com or all over the, whatever they call social media thingies. <laughs> yes, we're all everywhere these days. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 
thank you so much for being on the show today. It really has opened up so many other possibilities, the work that you're doing. And I would love for you guys to go check out Susanna's work, check out her podcast, where she's talking more about um, what she's learned from her work. And thank you all so much for tuning in today for another episode of Kaleidoscope of Possibilities. I'm Dr. Adriana Popescu. See you next time. Thank you. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Kaleidoscope of Possibilities, Alternative Perspectives on Mental Health. This has been Dr. Adriana Popescu. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe and share with others. To find out more about me, my guests, and more, please visit my website at adrianapopescu.org. See you next time.